Welcome to Harvest Beyond Sunday, a podcast that seeks to inform and equip the members of Harvest Church, as well as celebrate what God is doing in and through our body. Welcome back, Harvest Church. Wes Selegman, Sonia Watkins, Noah Martin for another episode of the Harvest Beyond Sunday podcast. Again, purpose behind this is just to equip uh, the body and discuss topics that don't always get the full attention from the pulpit. And we're going through every good endeavor. Continuing that, we're in chapter six, where work becomes pointless. And I know what you're thinking. Wes, I've never, ever felt like my work is is pointless. And uh, so this, you know, doesn't apply to you, but just in case we're going to go through the chapter anyway. No, I think we've all struggled with this. There's all been time where we've struggled, not just with the meaning of life and, and meaning of our own, um, our own life. By the way, if you hear noise in the background, there's construction going on and we, we don't have a choice. We're just going to have to deal with it. So I, we apologize for that. It's annoying in our ears. It's probably annoying in your ears, but we just have to suffer through it. There is, uh, there, there, there's just some things. There's we can't meaningful change. work going on <laughs> around us. We just haven't, we have an open concept podcast. Studio. That's right. We're just, we just invite other sounds in. This yeah. is the time slot we can record. And that's also the time <laughs> slot where they have to get the water turned back on at the mm-hmm. church. Yep. So, yeah. um, Anyway, we're collaborating together. Yeah, the noise is not pointless. Yeah, the noise is not pointless. But mm-hmm. there, the chances are, back to the my thought is, we've all probably struggled with pointlessness in our in our work, or even if it's not in the overall job or career direction, but maybe pointlessness in some of the tasks and the emails and this and that and the, that we have to do. So this is relevant this this topic to us. So um, hope you enjoy this this episode. Noah, why don't you read our verse for us today? Tell us what it is and read it and then we'll take off. Sounds good. So our verse for this chapter in this episode to kind of get us started is coming from Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse 17. It reads, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Oh my goodness. I'm just sitting here picking up on the strong language. So I hated life. That is really strong. Yeah, not just like I hated what I do. I hate life. I don't I don't want to live because all of it's meaningless uh, chasing after the wind. Hmm. That's very strong language. Yeah. And I think we're going to talk about this not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but Uh, We're going to talk in this episode about why he would use such strong language, where that hatred for his life has come from, what he has been trying to find meaning in and ultimately not finding the the ultimate meaning that he desires, leading him then to hate his life. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a little bit. First, let's just deal with what does it mean to be under the sun? He says, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. Well, I just think just, you know, our everyday life, our worldly struggles, you know, being in this world, everything under the sun is just everything that we have to deal with as humans. 
Yep. And, you know, because it deals with everything under the sun, something that's unique about this chapter that maybe we haven't discussed as much in previous chapters is uh, kind of one of the discouraging realities of work, which is that uh, there are times when we can experience frustration or discouragement or despair um, when we find uh, not just that we aren't able to utilize our skills to the fullest or when we don't achieve our professional goals, but we also experience that uh, and we can still experience that when we have actually attained the professional goals that we desired or we've we've gotten the long-awaited job or promotion that we've been dreaming about. So uh, the that's kind of the question we want to deal with today. What do you do with the fact that um, even when work seems to be going well, even when you are having success from a worldly standpoint, um, what do we do with the fact that even then it doesn't satisfy us? And I think we can look at all areas of our life that this applies to, right? That we think that in a, in a future tense, when fill in the blank happens, then that's going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And as believers, we all know that our, our joy is in the Lord. You know, it's not, none of these things make a good savior, right? They become idols. Mm-hmm. We, we continue to, um, go back to this theme of idolatry. Mm-hmm. And so when we make that, oh, that career or, or that diploma, you know, this is it. I have mm-hmm. done this. And then we realize that it's, it's just another idol and it's empty mm-hmm. or, a lot of single gals think, man, if I just, when I get married, that's going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. That's when life starts. Mm-hmm. That becomes an idol. And then, oh my goodness, when you get married and he yet leaves his wet towel on the floor once again. No, and then, I never do that. <laughs> I, yeah, that, that doesn't happen at your house, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just, you think, okay, discouragement. Yeah, my wife gets frustrated at me uh, on <laughs> many things. Of course, I get frustrated with her, and but we carry on, and we don't place too high of a value on each other. We're valuable. In some ways, she's the most valuable. Most ways, she's the most valuable human being on earth to me and vice versa. So, But what we're really talking about here is a distinction between finding meaning and perhaps mining uh, and fulfillment in finding you know comfort or satisfaction. I think there's a distinction here in what we're seeing in this verse is that he says all of it is meaningless, and it doesn't mean that getting a promotion, uh, making more money, getting the right hires, uh, finding a different job that you're passionate about or whatever it is, that there's not some satisfaction or some comfort that comes from there. What it means, though, is there's not ultimate meaning and ultimate fulfillment in uh, achieving something in work, maybe moving from, you know, something that feels pointless or where you're not paid as well to something that carries a little bit more salary or uh, meaning to it. It just what we're defining here is that those things don't have ultimate meaning, which is where Mm-hmm. the author of Ecclesiastes is eventually going to get to. Mm-hmm. And and this is true, as you said, Sonia, and other aspects of our life, we can't find ultimate meaning in our spouse, ultimate meaning 
in our kids or in our success or in the car we drive or the school they go to or the whatever, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, Tennessee winning a national championship or something, which is incredibly rare. Uh, but coming from a Tennessee fan, coming from a Tennessee mm-hmm. fan, we, we've done it a few times though. And so uh, we're, we're, it doesn't mean that those things don't add satisfaction, a level mm-hmm. of happiness. And it's even though it's temporary and it's fleeting. I mean, look, if you get a raise and you, no one ever says, Hey, I think that's good. I think that's mm-hmm. good. I think at the rest of my life, I'm, I'm 47. That's perfect. I think I'm good for the rest of my days. I don't need another raise. In fact, if they offer me one, I think I'll send it to someone else so they can get to their level of, of comfort. No one does that. We always want more, right? Or if your boss were to say, hey, I think we'd like to give you an extra week of vacation. No, I'm good. I think I'm okay. I think, you know, so we're never really satisfied in these little worldly pleasures, but they do provide a level of satisfaction and comfort for us. So the difference is it's not ultimate meaning, though. Well, I think the the label there is is that achievement is good. It's just not the ultimate. Hmm. Okay, so some of the questions that the philosopher poses to us in the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to name him Q for short because I can't pronounce his name, um, he wants he is challenging us to look at some foundations of our life and just ask ourselves these basic questions that we might otherwise avoid and not even understand as to why we could tend to hate our life. Um, is there any meaning to your life? I think that's a, a very strong question. What are you really doing all of this for? Why is there so much wrong with the world? And how will you cope with it? And I know we're going to talk uh, more about those last two things in future episodes, but I mean, he's just really trying to take us through some self-diagnostics here. And all of those questions are meant to point us to this ultimate realization um, that, as Tim Keller says on page 93 of this chapter, nothing within this world is a sufficient basis for a meaningful life here. Uh, If we base our lives on work and achievement, on love and pleasure, or on knowledge and learning, our existence becomes anxious and fragile. And this is an important point because circumstances in life are always threatening the very foundation of our lives. And death inevitably strips us of everything we hold dear. Existential dependence on a gracious creator God, not only abstract belief, is a precondition for an unshakable, purposeful life. So to kind of drill down a little bit further on that. Um, you know, if, if we try to put the weight of our eternal need for God himself, the, the eternal creator, if we try to put that need on these temporal fleeting things, then they're doomed to dissatisfy us. Um, and, and as Tim Keller writes, that they can't be a sufficient basis for a meaningful life here. Um, if we look to those things for ultimate purpose, we're not going to find it. Yeah, that's exactly right. So the philosopher here is the author of Ecclesiastes, and yeah, it's a it's a funny Hebrew word that begins with the letter Q, coaleth, or something like that. And presumably this is Solomon, but we ultimately don't know. This author is is asking these foundational questions, as you've mentioned in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you read it, and and if you read 
Tim Keller's book, he summarizes this, that there are these three life projects, if you will, of Ecclesiastes, where the author has sought meaning, ultimate meaning, ultimate fulfilling, that eternal uh, need, which we're really, we're chasing after a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. We, we don't always admit that, but that's what we're looking for. But that he's chasing after first making sense of life through learning and wisdom. And so we, we discussed the Greek and philosophers and in history and how it's impacted us with chasing after knowledge. And, and we're guilty of this today, that you know, pursuing higher and higher degrees and higher education, higher learning, and we're finding depth and meaning in what we understand and know. And that is, that's good. It's good for us to pursue knowledge, right? It's not, that in and of itself is not a sin, but elevating it to the point of ultimate meaning definitely is. Second life project he pursued was making life fulfilling through the pursuit of pleasure. So it's like, okay, well, I'm not the, uh, yes, I can go after all this knowledge and, and, so on and so forth, but you know, what's the point? Like, I just want to enjoy life, and so I'm going to pursue, uh, you know, things that please me, things that brings me comfort. He says, even in Solomon had it was possibly the wealthiest man ever. Solomon had all the comforts of living in the palace, of pursuing any pleasure he wanted. He was one of the wealthiest men to ever live. And he, whatever, if he wanted it, he could have it. So he pursued as much pleasure. And he says, that's meaningless. And third life project is chasing away the pointlessness through hard work and achievement. And he's like, so it's not, you know, necessarily mentally based with this learning and wisdom. It's not pleasure based. So I'm just going to put my nose to the grindstone and I'm going to be productive. I'm going to change this world and make a difference. And I'm just going to have hard work and achievement. He goes, I pursued all three of those things and found that there is no ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction and meaning in that. So practically speaking, what does this look like? You know, let's just take the first one, making sense of life through learning and wisdom. You know, if you're just always pursuing wisdom and always adding to your knowledge, I mean, I think even Jesus speaks about that in in the Gospels, right? That, you know, if it doesn't change your heart, if you're just compiling wisdom and knowledge for wisdom and knowledge's sake, then, I mean, what good does it do if it doesn't change your heart? Yeah, many people are searching for which religious philosophy to adhere to. They're uh, always pursuing the next degree and always pursuing the next you know, higher level of learning achievement, uh, like you said. But if it doesn't change your heart, you, you've got a huge filing cabinet in your brain full of knowledge and information. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's just a cold, dark filing cabinet if it doesn't actually change your heart, which, again, is what the gospel does. The gospel, uh, which is something I love uh, because someone who's not uh, – it doesn't have the highest IQ in the room, me, uh, <laughs> it needs a simple gospel to believe in. There's a simplicity mm-hmm. to the gospel mm-hmm. that – is easy to understand, yet the the implications of the gospel are in the um, are deep and profound and wide mm-hmm. and can never completely be searched and plunged to the depths of all that it actually means mm-hmm. for Christ's blood to atone for our sins and for us to receive His righteousness and be in an eternal fellowship with Him in heaven. Mm-hmm. Like we can't ever exhaust the knowledge of that, but yet we can articulate it with great simplicity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a good example of all the knowledge and wisdom you think you 
think about Paul. He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And he he even says, you know, if anyone had anything to boast, it would be me, circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, a Pharisee among Pharisees, I was rising above in knowledge, anybody else in my mm-hmm. age group. But, and he was from the the best clan, the the tribe, yeah, tribe of, of Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin. Yeah. yeah, and he says, "I count all of that as rubbish, mm. but to know Christ." That's that's a beautiful point, Sonia. And then it, taking it back to these three life projects, you know, what do we do when that first life project fails? You know, when when we find that the wisdom, the knowledge that we've been trying to accumulate the letters we've tried to add beside our name when that doesn't bring us the the sense of kind of justification and and significance that we desire um it's interesting that with every step it's almost like you're trying to compensate or you're trying to medicate quote unquote or numb mm-hmm. the failure of the previous step so you didn't find satisfaction in the life project of pursuing wisdom so you turn to pleasure because you think, okay, if that didn't satisfy, well, surely this will satisfy. But then what happens when pleasure doesn't satisfy? You, you've tried to meet the intellectual need in the pursuit of wisdom and learning. Then you turn to the physical and emotional need of pursuing pleasure. Thinking the fleshly need. The yeah. fleshly need, exactly. Thinking, okay, surely this will satisfy until finally you're just kind of beaten down to the point of thinking, all right, I'm going to third life project. I'm just going to put my nose to the grindstone and try to prove myself and prove my, you know, the the point of my existence by just working really hard and achieving and and ascending the ranks as as high as I can. Yeah. Um. So it's just interesting how you look at, you look at these life projects and it's each one promises to be a solution to the failure of the former, but ultimately it leads you you know further on down the line chasing after this significance and this satisfaction that you're never going to find short of Christ. And I think you just proved Ecclesiastes 2.17. Mm-hmm. When you go through all that, you really do hate life. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what your other result would be if, mm-hmm. if you were putting all of your satisfaction and meaning and fulfillment in those three areas, mm-hmm. exhausted them to the end, and was just like... Well, now what? I don't feel any different. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. achieved a few things, experienced a few things, and that's interesting. And I know a few things, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's no ultimate meaning there. So basically, there's a e- even any significance that we experience here in life is short lived mm-hmm. because it's experienced here on earth. Now, again, doesn't mean there's not impact, doesn't mean there's not comfort, satisfaction and some joy it's just short-lived and it's temporary and it doesn't find complete fulfillment or our heart doesn't find complete fulfillment in those life projects philosopher continues in chapter three he basically says what gain has the worker from his toil so what is what is the point in all this toil whether it's for knowledge pleasure or further work and achievement. He says, I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. And this is interesting. He says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. So when we are searching for ultimate meaning and ultimate fulfillment here on earth, there's a reason 
why it doesn't ever completely satisfy is because we have eternity in our heart. And these are not eternal things. They're temporal things. And so he goes on. He goes, I perceive that there is nothing better uh, for them, meaning people who are working towards these things, than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So we can understand that work does not gain ultimate fulfillment and ultimate significance, but it doesn't mean there's it's completely pointless. There is a, a point to our work, as we've looked at in previous chapters, to display the dignity of, of work and the design of work and, and all this, everything that we saw in, in the first three chapters of Genesis. And so there is not a pointlessness to our work even if work sometimes feels pointless, we can continue to take pleasure and and work as unto the Lord, and that everything, everything, everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil, because this is God's gift to man. And knowing that we have any, for those of us who are in Christ anyway, we have an eternity that waits, and we have eternity of heart, so we can be settled here on this earth, uh, not content because we long for heaven, we long to be with Christ, but we can be settled and understand um, that, yes, our toils are difficult, but they're not ultimately pointless. Mm. Yes, but as we all know, um, in our humanness, in our flesh, because of chapter 3 in Genesis, because of the fall, um, we miss place work in our lives and it can alienate us it can alienate us from god and and it can alienate us from one another or well, what does that look like well if 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 we are driven by work and achievement like noah said putting our head down like we're going to work all the time we're we have no intention of spending time with the lord we had much rather sunday's just another day to get ahead up on somebody else that's not working on Sunday. And if our achievement, we are not loving one another well, right? I mean, we are not loving our neighbor as ourselves. We're trying to beat them out of whatever that next step is. So that's where that broken relationship is between God and others. And as always, as believers, we apply the gospel, the the gospel, Jesus came to reconcile us first with God and then reconcile us to one another. So maybe it's even taking that not loving one another. I've always heard like comparison is like the death of everything. You know, I mean, this all goes back to Ecclesiastes 2.17, how you can get so depressed and so hate life is because when you're alienated from everything, I mean, you're isolated. And that's what this says, monotonous and isolating. Yeah. So if we devote ourselves to that third life project and that becomes our sole purpose in life and the sole motivator in everything we do to try to chase away the pointlessness that we feel through hard work and achievement, then like you were just saying, Sonia, our, our relationships will suffer inevitably. Um, and what's going to result is this kind of uh, what what we described as almost a groundhog day existence where you get up and you feel like every day seems the same, uh, where work becomes very monotonous, very isolating and also devoid of relationship. And, and, you know, obviously, if we're not 
being intentional about creating time to pursue our relationship with the Lord. If like Sonia, you were saying we're, you know, working seven days out of the week and we're not taking time to actually pursue the Lord through regular study of his word, through prayer, through fellowship with the saints, through worship, um, then that primary relationship is going to suffer. And then downstream of that, our relationship with our relationships with uh, our fellow human beings are going to suffer. Um, so it's just, it is uh, a great caution to us to realize, uh, you know, where the third life project ultimately leads. I love the movie Groundhog Day is one of my favorites. I just love Bill Murray. I've always loved that movie. And before, you know, for you young folks out there, before Rotten Tomatoes existed, there were these two men named Siskel and Ebert, and they were the movie critics that everyone paid attention to. There, something that's neat, a little fun fact about Groundhog Day, go watch it if you hadn't seen it, um, is that they actually, this is one of the only movies that they ever initially gave a terrible review for and then later came back and said, we were wrong. They almost never did that, but they said we were wrong about Groundhog Day. It actually is a great movie. Noah, so, do you know about these people? Siskel and Roger, Ebert. Roger Ebert, I Yes, assume. yep. I don't know the other guy. Uh, I can't remember his first but name. But I've seen There's Groundhog Siskel Day yeah. a number of times. It's it's. Kind of stress me out. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of stresses you out. Yeah, I can well, see that. Ecclesiastes two seventeen. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Point proven again. Uh-huh. Yeah. He he found ultimate meaning in his work at the beginning, and mm-hmm. then he was and then he tried to find ultimate meaning in pleasure. He really went through the three life projects, mm-hmm. and and then uh, and then he also pursued knowledge. He learned how to play the you know the piano and and all these other things. It was it was pretty cool to watch it unfold, and at the end of the day, it was relationships that ultimately mattered. And so, again, back to your point about isolating and monotony. When you just sort of give yourself over to any one of these three life projects, it it makes it forces you to not have a relationship with the Lord, not have a relationship with your church or with your family, with your neighbors around you. And ultimately, you just become selfish. So speaking of you young folks who may not know about Siskel and Ebert, uh, some of you may also not know what you want to do with your career in life. And Tim Keller talks about this, the danger of choice. And he says, basically, we're often paralyzed by the sheer quantity of potential career path. So what, how, do we, how do we figure out what we're passionate about? In the a previous episode with my brother, he said, a mentor told him, you figure out what you're passionate about in your 20s and you spend your 30s uh, uh, kind of learning it and then your 40s, 50s, 60s crushing it or something like that. It was a, that's a summary. So, but, but it is difficult to understand what we're passionate about. And, and you may just have to uh, hop into something and learn something about yourself and learn something about work. Hey, young folks, the best thing you can do is learn how to work hard. Uh, well, who would have ever thought that there is danger in a lot of choices? Hmm. But when you have so many choices, you really do become paralyzed. And I do think that this generation feels like that their first job needs to be one that they are just so passionate about that it's going to fulfill them. And it's just exactly what they uh, have always thought that they would do. And that is not necessarily th- the case. I mean, Wes, I do agree with you that, you know, work ethic will serve you well 
you know, in whatever you do. And so back whenever I was 18, a single parent, I had to have a job. I had to pay the bills. We had to have rent and utilities and a car. And so I was an interested in passion. And I did learn hard work. And, you know, I just didn't, I didn't go to work every day going, wow, I just don't really feel fulfilled or this is just really not my passion. Actually, what it did, it turned into my passion. Um, you know, I've always said that uh, necessity is the mother of all invention. Because I had to have this job, it just gave me what I needed to enjoy my work life. We're typically drawn to jobs that pay well or drop jobs that maybe work on society's needs or jobs that are really cool, like being a missions pastor at Harvest Church. So, but to your point, Sonia, sometimes we just need to get a job mm. and stop holding out for, um, you know, one of these three areas and just get a job and, and learn the value of work learn the value of a good job and learn the value of obeying your boss and being timely and suffering in work. And there's so many values of just, just like getting a job. Now, again, (laughs) ultimately, according to Ecclesiastes, uh, at least portions of our job are kind of pointless. They're not ultimately fulfilling, although there is a point to them. But the point is here, is some of us just need to be out there working and get a job. And even if it's not exactly your dream job, which you may not even know what that is yet, just get started in something and don't be paralyzed by the, the, the quality or quantity of options out there about work. Yeah. And I love, I love the way Sonia, I think you described it while we were talking about this before the show, but um, I know you said something very similar just now, but this idea of, of, beginning in a job and then kind of catching the passion after the fact, after you've mm-hmm. actually started the journey. Um, and I think in addition to, to catching the passion, I think when you start a job that may not be kind of what you've dreamt of or even desire to do long term, which is, which is okay. You know, it's, it's okay while you're working at a current job, doing excellent work, serving people well, to be looking ahead to a next step and, and aspiring to a position that may allow you to utilize your skills and um, in ways that you think would be really stimulating and satisfying and, and to the benefit of others. Um, but while you're aspiring to that, um, you know, it's a great opportunity when you're in a job that you don't love to humble yourself before the Lord and to say, Father, I just want to honor you in the excellence of my work here. I, even if what I'm doing, I don't enjoy, I'm going to do it well to honor you. And I also want to do it in such a way that is really going to honor the people that I, that I serve. Um, so I think that's honestly, it can be one, it can be an aid in some ways to our sanctification and our becoming more like Christ. Um, because I mean, what example do we see of, of the God man coming to earth, engaged in a trade that involved working with his hands. Um, while he was with the disciples, we see him serving the disciples, serving people, washing the disciples' feet uh, at the Last Supper, doing these, these by society standards, low, lowly and menial tasks 
but he was doing them in such a way that honored his father and that demonstrated his love for his people. Um, and I think we have an opportunity when we're in jobs that we don't necessarily want to be in forever to really honor the Lord by trying to do excellent work uh, by, by, you know, producing an excellent product or do, producing an excellent service and also serving the Lord's people in the process of that. Noah, just to add to that thought about Jesus himself is, you know, he he came on the earth as a baby, spent time as a child, and then eventually, maybe at 13, maybe 15, probably not 18, it was early years, he became a carpenter. And he spent time being a carpenter until he was 30 years old. So if he started carpentry at 13, then there were 17 years of him doing what some could consider a monotonous task for his day, but working with his hands until 30 years old. That's when he really became about his father's business. That's when he really enacted on what he was passionate about, which was being the savior of the world and pouring out his love for us. So Christ himself spent years doing what he ultimately wasn't sent to earth to do. And we don't really have a lot of uh, literature about that time period. It's it's like a silent period of Jesus's life when he was just a carpenter from a 13-year-old boy to a 30-year-old man. Yet he was busy and working and knew the day was coming when he would uh, go to the cross and ultimately, you know, inaugurate his ministry and make disciples. And, and so he was willing to humble himself and work a job until it was time for him to do what the Father wanted him to do. So I think we have a tension here. We have got to figure out how to live in between these three life projects and how they serve us well here. We need these things, right? We need learning. We need pleasure. And we need hard work and achievement. But how do we keep from elevating them to the level of where God is and should be in our lives? And I think Tim Keller says this very well in his book, that we give up idols of money and power. Do we need them? Yes. Do we need them to make, do do they need to be idols in our life? The absolute in our life, the answer is no. Prioritizing relationships. Um, We need to have relationships. We do not need to be isolated. We do need to love one another as God calls us to. Even at the expense of um, prioritizing relationships over, oh, but I'm chasing that promotion. Yeah, Tim Keller has got a great quote on page 107. If you have a paperback book, it says, Without the gospel of Jesus, we will have to toil not for the joy of serving others nor the satisfaction of a job well done, but to make a name for ourselves. And so there is this danger. Like you said, there's this tension. Uh, those are the three life projects are, can serve us well if we have the right mindset, if we have the uh, uh, right intentionality of working for the Lord and, and using our job to advance the kingdom and, and do everything appropriate, hold it in its right place, not idolizing it as you've suggested. And so without the gospel of Jesus Christ, basically we just give ourselves over to those three projects and and then also making our name for ourselves, which is kind of gets into our next episode when work becomes selfish. So we'll talk more about that. Uh, but in the end, 
how does the author of Ecclesiastes, how's this preacher, this Koheleth, this uh, Solomon person end the book of Ecclesiastes? He says, the end of the matter has all been heard, not on this podcast, but the end of the matter as all, uh, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So as the follower of Christ, the Christian, when it comes to work, and specifically work being pointless, we don't need to idolize our work. We don't need to fall in the traps of elevating it to a point that's unhealthy, to where we're alienating ourselves from the proper relationships with the Lord. However, we do need to work and toil hard as unto the Lord, and primarily fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. So with that being said, as a little bit of a close, what are our main takeaways from this episode? I got two. I think that you implied that Tim Keller used Groundhog Day for this chapter. Do you think he plagiarized this chapter? He definitely plagiarized, and uh, that's okay. I do love the fact of uh, if I'm feeling like Ecclesiastes 2.17, I can go back through this checklist and figure out where I have misplaced worship. I think one of the last points y'all just made um, about the life projects themselves was really compelling um, because I think in all likelihood, if, if we're doing an honest assessment of our own lives, we probably find ourselves in one of those three life projects t- trying to kind of create meaning out of one of those three things. But um, I guess the kind of questions we have to kind of ask ourselves is if, if we find ourselves in that first life project, I love the point that you made Sonia earlier about, uh, you know, wisdom, that is only filling the head rather than affecting the heart and, um, you know, wisdom that puffs up rather than furthering kind of our affections for the Lord. Um, I think that's a valuable question to ask. If we find ourselves in the midst of that pursuit of wisdom, are we, are we pursuing wisdom for the sake of deepening our love for the Lord and, and kind of expanding our ability to serve the people around us? Um, and then the second life project of pursuing pleasure I mean, kind of a, a more straightforward question. Am, am I pursuing pleasure within the parameters that God has set for us? Um, because like y'all were saying earlier, it's not that pleasure in and of itself is a bad thing, but if we're pursuing pleasures in ways that, that God forbids, then they're not going to bring the satisfaction that he intends for pleasure to bring. And then that third and final life project of hard work and achievement Am I doing hard work? Am I seeking to achieve for the sake of my own name, which we're going to talk about in the next episode in more detail? Am I doing it to serve myself or am I doing it um, to to love and obey the Lord and to to serve those around me? Um, I love, I thought that was a super helpful point when y'all talked about that, like really wanting to filter the life projects through the lens of, of the gospel and, and really asking ourselves those challenging questions. And that's a great takeaway for me. This just this ending of Ecclesiastes to fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. And so I am guilty and many of you probably are as well in finding meaning in the fruits of our labor 
rather than finding meaning and value in the vine, Jesus says, I am the vine and the vine dresser, which is the Lord. And so it's a constant reminder that, yes, we work hard. And yes, sometimes work feels drudgery and monotonous. But if I alienate myself into my work, then I'm ignoring what's ultimate, which is God and my relationship with him. And so abiding in the vine and trusting in the vine dresser and finding my ultimate meaning and fearing God and keeping his commandments. That's my takeaway. So with that, we'll close out this episode and join us next episode next week, uh, chapter seven, when work becomes selfish. As a reminder, if you want to send any questions or stories or follow up about work and and things you may be struggling with or uh, excelling at and how do we balance this how do we balance that then send those in to noah at harvestmemphis.org and you can join us next week as we dive into chapter seven